No. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sitting around a table with two guys. One is a legendary video game designer. <laughs> the other is a famous online cartoonist who has a combined one and a half million followers on Instagram and Twitter. Come on. Oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. All right. We're playing a game, not a video game, not a game on our phones, but a good old fashioned card game. 25% chance of death right now. But it's a weird card game, because the one card you do not want to draw in this game is the one showing a kitten possessing an explosive. You heard that right. A kitten with dynamite in its mouth, or holding a hand grenade, or in charge of a nuke. That'll kill you. Kittens themselves are sort of accidentally blowing themselves up. They're sort of passively suicidal. These two guys made the game, called Exploding Kittens. Sales have reached $80 million in less than three years. We made a million dollars on the first day. We made two million on the second day. I mean, it was crazy. Are you profitable? Very. <laughs> Hi, it's Jane Wells, and welcome to this week's Strange Success, the CNBC podcast about weird products and the bizarre journeys behind them. Stories where people dive into industries they have no experience in, and they get really rich, even though they make huge mistakes. There was a typo we missed. Yeah, and then everybody points that out for the rest of your life. That turned out to be the least of his problems. Matthew Inman and Alon Lee didn't really know each other before they came together to create the card game Exploding Kittens, a game which didn't cost them a dime because the concept was so funny and weird, they funded it through one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns in history. The game is so simple. Uh, it's basically Russian roulette with a deck of cards. You have a bunch of uh, exploding kittens. They're the only bad cards in the deck. You take them, you shuffle them in the deck, uh, you put the deck face down in the middle of the table, everybody takes turns drawing a card off the top of the deck, and you just hope you don't draw the exploding kitten. Draw the exploding kitten card and you're out of the game. Unless you're also holding a card which can save you, at least for a while. There is skill mixed with luck, and the last player standing wins. Okay. So why make a card game? Who even plays them anymore? Tabletop is hip, and so we made a card game right at the, the opening of this, this genre that's being reborn right now. That's Matthew Inman, and this is the story of how two guys with different digital entertainment backgrounds went, well, kind of analog, and convinced 219,000 strangers to invest in their idea. We start with Alon Lee. I'm the oldest of four kids, and so uh, my whole life I, I, I've been playing with my siblings. We play card games and board games and all kinds of uh, imagination-based games, and uh, I've loved them. I've always loved them. Lee is 43 years old, but he seems 12. He's a big kid. What did you want to be when you grew up? A fire truck. Not the fireman. You want to be the <laughs> no, fire truck. I wanted to be a fire truck. I went to seven different colleges uh, Why? because I'm a horrible student and I would constantly fail out of them. Uh, it took me seven years to finally graduate. I would just hop around from school to school. Clearly, Alan Lee had trouble focusing, but he kept getting new opportunities because he had an ace in his back pocket. When he was in high school, he did an experiment which was published in scientific journals. It was an audio experiment. I was the first person to photograph a sound wave. Um, yeah, to almost by accident. How old were you? Uh, 16. 
he was able to parlay that picture into a bunch of second chances in college. He picked up minor degrees in computer graphics, computer animation, psychology, before finally graduating from the Rochester Institute of Technology with a degree in computer science. After college, I went to Industrial Light and Magic and uh, did computer special effects there. On which movies? Uh, Star Wars, uh, episode one. Dream internship, I mean like amazing. Not Jar Jar Binks though, please uh, tell me no. I worked on his neck a little bit. <laughs> I'm we sorry. Have, we have a problem. I feel like I spend most we of my life apologizing for yeah. that. Yeah. Then Alon Lee got hired by Microsoft as lead game designer for its new console called the Xbox. And in 2001, he left Microsoft to create a new kind of game to promote Steven Spielberg's movie, AI. We called this project uh, an alternate reality game. And it was the first of its kind. And the way you played this weird game was uh, you would actually call characters in the game, like on the phone. And you would meet actors on street corners. Where are you? I'm at the corner of Hope and 7th. You would visit websites, and, and there was this incredible blurring between reality and the game. Yeah, alternate reality long before Pokemon Go, before smartphones, before apps. Elon Lee ended up also then starting his own outside-the-box marketing company, then a clothing company, then a TV studio. He's one of those guys. Meantime, his future card game partner, 35-year-old Matthew Inman, was forging a different path to digital success. He grew up in northern Idaho, and as much as Elon Lee is forever young and optimistic, Inman is admittedly an angry old man in a young man's body. I mean, our games were more like find a stick and hit someone with it, and then if he has a bigger stick, he hits harder, and then whoever cries first loses. We tried a new one where you throw sand at each other, and it, that hurts really bad as well. And um, in between that, we'd fight over the Sega most of the time. The more, the more violence in the game, the better. At 13, Inman got his first personal computer, and he loved playing games, especially Quake in the 90s. His gamer name was Quaker Oatmeal. And so years later, he shortened that to just The Oatmeal when he started his online cartoon. Inman has turned the oatmeal into a huge success, filling the website with his twisted take on the universe. I can say my personality is a mistake. Like, I'm very angry and hard to work with, and I fight with everyone, even when I don't care that much. You know, like, what are we having for lunch? And everyone's like, tied. I'm like, no. And that's sort of how I operate. So I think the biggest mistake is talking too much about things I'm not actually that angry about. <laughs> there are some things Inman has cared a lot about. For example, he started a crowdfunding effort to buy inventor Nikola Tesla's lab in New York and turn it into a museum. Elon Musk donated a million dollars. In 2013, living in Seattle, Inman posted an online comic as essay called Why Christopher Columbus Was Awful, accusing the explorer of being a brutal conqueror greedy for gold. It went viral. Within two years, Seattle where I'm from abolished Columbus Day. And I'm not taking credit for that, but I feel like I sort of got the boat moving. And so that, that cruelty that fights over what we're eating for lunch can also be used for good. Are you proud of that? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I hate that guy. I do like Thai food. I'm not proud of that. I just wasn't in the mood that day. Um, uh, let me gather my thoughts here. So uh, I realize out of context, half the things I'm saying are be useless no, on camera. No, it's so awesome. Uh, OK, so. Our two main players in the story are really smart, creative, unusual. How did they come together and make a game? 
How did they raise millions of dollars to do it? It started when Elon Lee had a moment of truth. I have nieces and nephews that play Halo a lot, and they actually play a lot of the video games that I've built. And when I go over to visit them and hang out with them, they're just staring at the TV. And they're not talking, and they're not laughing, and their siblings are sitting right next to them, and they're not interacting. And it started to feel like this very lonely experience. And I started to feel responsible for that because I was the one who put those pixels on the screen. I was the one who literally made the things that they're looking at. And um, it felt bad. Um, and so I decided to make a card game. I partnered up with uh, my friend Shane Small who had a rough idea for a game. We developed the hell out of it um, and eventually made uh, this game that we called Bomb Squad. And Bomb Squad was exploding kittens, it just had no theme. It was, well, let's put bombs in the deck. Enter Matthew Inman. I've been wanting to make a card game for a long time. Why? Uh, I don't know. I just, I like card games, I like games. And uh, with the oatmeal, I love that job, but there's a bit of a slog. You, you spend your whole you know, day and night thinking and working on uh, writing and drawing and creating. And um, I'm the type of person that I need to bounce from thing to thing, and the idea of making an oatmeal card game always sounded really appealing to me. But I don't know how to make games. I was on vacation with some friends, and one of those friends was like a YouTube celebrity, and uh, he's where the hell's Matt? He's the guy that dances around the world. You may have seen that guy. Inman's friend goes all over the world getting people to dance with him, and he puts it on YouTube, and tens of millions of people watch. It's a living. He had another friend with him named Alon Lee who brought this game with him, this prototype game made from a poker deck and Sharpie. And we started playing it and uh, thought this is a really fun game. And it's got a terrible theme, it's got no soul, and I think I can make it funny. And I thought, what if instead of a bomb, everybody was stressing and worrying about a kitten. The kitten would kill you, the kitten would blow you up. <laughs> if you take the internet and you add cats to it, it's like success. We had 17 cats growing up in my house when I was a kid. So I've had lots of experience with cats and we had one litter box for all 17. So you know, like Mount St. Helens, you remember that? Imagine that of caca coming from a sand pile every morning. And that's how the project was born. It was very much, let's build something fun. Let's build something that's going to encourage people to talk to each other and laugh together and sit down as a family and, and have fun. Fun, that sounds like this. Ah, all right. I got a winning hand here. All right, what are you going to do? They created Exploding Kittens in December 2014. Enman drew all the hilarious artwork and characters for the cards, like the bizarre-looking taco cat or the scary man with weaponized back hair. There's a cat in a, a bikini, and it's, um, it's like anatomically correct cat, so it's got eight nipples and eight bikini tops, and it's huge. I mean, the cat looks like obese, and I like that one. That's my favorite. In January 2015 came the next part, funding the game and starting production. But what they thought would be hard turned out to be easy, and what they thought would be easy was hard. Raising money should be hard. It wasn't. This project was entirely funded through Kickstarter. So our startup costs were zero, and uh, we have no investors, and uh, we own 100% of the company. Folks, listen and learn how it's done. What we decided to do 
uh, was put the game up on Kickstarter and just ask for $10,000. $10,000 is enough for us to print out 500 decks of cards, uh, which is what the minimum print order was. So we put that up and in the course of 30 days we raised almost $9 million. It's the most funded game in crowdfunding history. Hi there, my name is Matthew Inman, I make The Oatmeal, and this is Elon Lee and Shane Small. They make really cool games. This is audio from the video they put up on Kickstarter to raise money, using Inman's illustrations to show how the game works. You can also deploy the Taco Cat, Aber Crab Lincoln, Magical Meat Bikinis, and a fearsome Caterwaki. They ended up with 219,000 backers, investing anywhere from 20 bucks to $500 in exchange for a deck of cards and other goodies once they were eventually manufactured. When Exploding Kittens happened, I thought we'd raise, like hopefully maybe a hundred grand. I knew we'd probably meet our goal, but I didn't expect to reach what we reached. It was a shock. Why do you think it was so successful? Um, I get asked that a lot, and, and I think there's a lot of silver bullets here. Um, one, I think the biggest thing is um, tabletop gaming is big now. And lastly, it's a really, really fun game. It's funny, it's hilarious, and uh, it takes two minutes to learn. Everybody asks us, why was your campaign so successful uh, above and beyond everybody else's? And the easy answer to that is Matt, the oatmeal. He has a huge number of fans. When we launched, Matt's entire audience came through. They got us funded in seven minutes. That's 10 grand in seven minutes. But fundraising did not follow a straight arrow up. They noticed that after the first couple of days, the first couple of million, sales plummeted. Sure, they'd already reached their goal, but the campaign was supposed to last 30 days. And wouldn't it be nice if they could raise even more? Elon Lee said they decided to try something crazy. And the crazy thing we decided to try was what if we turn Kickstarter itself into a game? And we did something new, very unique to Kickstarter. We built a point system and an achievement system and individual rewards and we linked to individual social media pages of the people who came to the site. We stopped asking for money. We said, this campaign is no longer about money. We don't want your money. We're funded. What we want to do is play a game with you. And we called it the biggest party in crowdfunding history. And what we started to see was extraordinary. People started taking pictures and posting media and earning points and wearing costumes and inviting their friends and this thing just skyrocketed. You think of the term crowdfunding, we just ignored the funding part and concentrated on the crowd part and it was incredibly successful. Finally, at the end of January, the campaign ended. They had $9 million. They ordered their first decks. This is the easy part, right? This turned out to be the really hard part. There is a big difference between making an online game and something physical. We had to learn all this as we go. None of us have ever produced a physical game before. We had to figure out where do we get cardstock from and where do we get ink from and which manufacturers should we work with. To figure that out, they teamed up with Black Box, a company formed by the creators of the hit game Cards Against Humanity. Then there were the boxes. We produced so many of these boxes uh, that we actually, China ran out of cardboard. We had to start getting cardboard in Mexico, shipping it to China just to produce our box. By the way, our boxes on Kickstarter, they meow every time you open them. Imagine how hard that is to build. Like, it killed us. We like to think of it as the world's most expensive stupid joke. This is how it sounds when you open the box. It cost us a million dollars to make that box meow. But at least the box worked. Other parts of the manufacturing went badly. 
one of the things that we messed up uh, for our very first shipment, we had 100,000 boxes go out. We forgot to put packing tape on all of those boxes. Every single one of them showed up empty. <laughs> yeah. That should have been on somebody's checklist somewhere, it just never ended up on anybody's checklist anywhere. The boxes showed up, opened, and empty. Where were the cards? Somewhere in mail trucks on the street, I, I don't know, on a conveyor belt on the floor. Yeah. Oh my There's God. so many copies. So they all fell open and yeah. everything fell out? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Oh, your heart must have Oh, it was horrible. It was so horrible. And what's worse is then you have to explain to these poor customers, because they get a box that's empty from a company that has, they know has a sense of humor, so they're thinking, is this part of the joke? Like, what am I missing? That was a tough day. That was a really tough day. There was a typo we missed. Yeah, and then everybody points that out for the rest of your life. Inman says the typo said an cantaloupe instead of a cantaloupe. We had an editor or two or three and the whole team and all the, everyone in the company and um, missed a typo. And I write, uh, I've written comics for years about grammar and how to use a semicolon and punctuation. People see me as a very high profile grammarian. Who are these people? So. Typo like that, of course, is egregious in the eyes of my fans, so on Twitter I'll relentlessly get taunted by that. So that's kind of a bummer, but that's one of the joys of paper. You know, when you, when you make it, uh, it's that way forever. These were the sorts of things neither one of them had experienced in the digital world. All Elon Lee ever knew how to do was make an online game. Once you're done, you can still make changes. You can patch the game, you can make tweaks to the game. Um, and once you're done, you can make an infinite number of copies of that game. For a physical game, once you launch, you cannot touch that game anymore. You've, you've just put in an order for one and a half million copies of the game. Any flaws, any blemishes, any typos in the rules, those are now permanent. You can never change those, and it's terrifying. Uh, and the other thing is, everyone who buys the game, you must print a copy of that game. And uh, that's really expensive, especially for a startup that's enormous overhead. Uh, luckily with Kickstarter, those are guaranteed sales, but beyond that, we're just printing and hoping for the best. Uh, if those don't sell, we go bankrupt. Except that did not happen. The biggest mistake is just underestimating demand. We have had to scramble and stay up nights and cash in favors and do all this work uh, to accommodate the unbelievable appetite of the fans. And what I've learned from that is never underestimate the fans. To date, they have sold four and a half million units with revenues of $80 million. But we make about a 50% profit off of that. Are you profitable? Very. <laughs> they followed up the game with an expansion pack, which Amazon put up for pre-orders on Prime Day in 2016. And we broke the Amazon record for pre-orders. Revenues between 2016 and 2017 grew 50%. They're now selling exploding kitten plush toys, and they even have an app which ironically moves the physical card game back online. It's where we test out new concepts. It's so much easier for us to say, what would happen if we put in a card where uh, when you play it, all your cards become cat butts and you can't see what they are and you're playing blindly. The digital game though, we were very, very careful to basically say this is multiplayer only. You can't play it alone. Even if you want to play it alone, you still have to connect with strangers. The cards now come in nine different languages with eight more arriving in 2018. They've created a not safe for work version, which is very dark and funny and completely inappropriate. 
and the game continues to be a bestseller on Amazon, priced at around $20. There have also been the inevitable copycats. We've seen uh, cheap Chinese knockoffs, we've seen Russian knockoffs, we've seen people launch exploding puppies, uh, zombie kittens, exploding zombie kittens. Lee tries to stay ahead of the competition with unique branding. The team constantly devises eye-popping, low-cost ways to market themselves. For example, they made this human vending machine. You can see it on YouTube. And they take it to events like South by Southwest. If you order a game at the machine, a human hand reaches out to take your money and then gives you a game. Or they've gone to big events like Comic-Con where they didn't want to spend money on a huge banner or expensive marketing. So they advertise in a very low-tech, low-cost way. So we did these. Lee holds up what they made. A urinal cake with an overweight cat sitting there with its pants down. It says, stop staring at me. I can't go, I can't <laughs> go if you're staring. This is a urinal cake. Uh, these cost us a dollar, and then we put these graphics on them, and we went around from urinal to urinal at these conferences dropping these things in, and they list out exploding kittens and our booth number, and this drew in thousands of people to our booth. By this time, some of you who own cats might be wondering, isn't it cruel to make a game which mocks kittens blowing up? Any pushback from cat lovers, like, this is horrible! <laughs> yes, originally there was some. Uh, but I think people have finally figured out this is a fun cartoon game. Uh, the cats aren't actually exploding. In fact, the whole point of the game is don't let the kittens explode. So the theme, even though you're scared of the kittens, is more about saving them, really. We're really philanthropists when it comes down to it. Do you have a cat? No. Do you like cats? I, yes, I don't like cat people. Does that make sense? <laughs> we also... To, to help the world understand that. We actually give quite a bit to cat shelters, to uh, animal charities, um, just to show like we, we want to give back to this community. When cats and dogs run away from their homes, 25% um, of uh, the dogs that run away are returned. They're eventually found and returned. Uh, but less than 5% of cats that run away are ever returned. And uh, that was horrible. And there's probably something we could do about that because suddenly we're sitting on, this company has done so well, we've got this giant megaphone that we can shout through. So uh, we created a project called the Kitty Convict Project. The project sells little orange cat collars at a loss for people to put on their pets. And what they indicate is that if you see this cat outside with an orange collar, it's a convict, it's escaped. Carefully approach the cat, find out where it's from and return it to its owner. Meantime, the duo has created another card game called Bears vs. Babies. No word yet on whether they've gotten any pushback from bear lovers or baby fans. That game was also fully funded on Kickstarter because why create a product with your own money? Elon Lee runs the company full-time out of his house in L.A. where he employs 15 people, and he showed me a closet there full of classic board games. Every Friday, uh, we, ha we order in lunch for the whole team, and we pick a game, and we play test the hell out of it. Matthew Enman remains in Seattle and continues drawing for the oatmeal. He hopes to create even more games, and he prefers his real card game to the craze around alternate reality games like Pokemon Go. I like that it introduced um, AR and sort of geocaching to the masses. Um, as a game, I, I take no joy in finding little animals and throwing balls at their heads and then pinning them to a wall to stare at. I but you like exploding kittens. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a huge difference. It's called saving kittens, actually. Okay. We talked about this. <laughs> Not exploding, <laughs> we're saving them. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't want to be 
a misanthropic curmudgeon, which is where I'm going. Like I envision myself yelling at everyone from my porch with a gun in my hand and like drunk all the time. I feel like uh, the lifespan of a cartoonist is very short in terms of uh, creative output. And I would like to do that as long as I can. Mm -hmm. I sort of write the oatmeal with the idea that um, no one's gonna care about what I do in a year. This, I've always had this philosophy, so you're always sort of, you're always sort of like cherishing it. The most important thing I've ever, I've ever kind of learned from all this, exploding kittens and the oatmeal is um, only make things that you want. So I, you know, Alana and I, we, we made a game that we wanted to play. I write things that I want to read and I draw things that I want to draw. If you stick to that philosophy, you'll hopefully make great things. There's a big sign in Alan Lee's studio which says in bright lights, fail fast. I think that failure is inevitable. You're always going to fail at uh, most of the things you try. And the only bad thing about that is if you do it slowly. Uh, the secret to success is assume failure and get it over with as quickly as you can. So you have to identify, you have to be able to identify when something is a failure, throw that thing away and move on to the next thing. But this is a, a precarious business. Like at any moment people could move on to the next thing and we have to constantly make sure that that next thing is also us. For now, it looks like the next thing is an old thing. Simply having fun sitting around a table playing a card game. Kaboom! Out of the game. Good right job, you right won. It's even more fun when you beat the two guys who created the game. Did you let me win? I swear I did not let you win. I, I did not let you win. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Success. I'm Jane Wells, and this CNBC podcast was written and produced by me with help from producers Candace Goldman, Janice Pettit, and Ellen Egith. Editing and mixing by Candace Goldman. You won't want to miss next week's explosive episode when I let you hear a story we decided no one could actually see. I make um, life-size, posable, silicone, anatomically correct dolls. It is our strangest success yet.